Right. Get out I'll of here, guys. Great job, Jeff. Jordan, it's only an hour. Every weekday from 11 to noon right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. And it's now time for the award-winning midday program with Trey and BK. And we are celebrating today. Mondays usually suck. Usually not a lot of reason to celebrate the start of another work week. But shit, does work for us even feel like work this week, Trey, with what went down in Arlington on Saturday, and then the announcement from the College Football Playoff Committee yesterday. What a week. What a weekend for Longhorn fans. Maybe the best weekend for Texas football since 2009. Just glorious. I am on cloud 10, and I don't think I'm going to be knocked off this high for a long, long time. What a tremendous couple of days it's been, and uh, pretty sweet to be a Longhorn fan right now, isn't it? This is quickly turning into one of the best sports years of years of my lives. And while that will carry over to 2024, if things go really well, yeah, it's been a lot of fun these last couple of days. We all felt confident about Texas' ability to take care of business against Oklahoma State because of the talent disparity. Um, I'm not sure if there's that big of a coaching disparity, but the talent disparity was great enough as well as how each of these teams had been playing but it is Oklahoma State, so I don't know about the rest of you, but there was this tiniest feeling in my gut where it's like, man, weird things have happened in this series. These two teams started playing as Big 12 foes, but ultimately that got put to bed pretty quickly with Texas uh, forcing a three and out by Oklahoma State, taking four plays to get those first seven points, allowing, uh, I think, four total offensive plays, and then that fifth play being a punt in that second Oklahoma State series, scoring uh, points eight through 14, four plays after that. And then it was off to the races from there. Yeah. I took this picture from the AT&T stadium jumbotron after the game, just the discrepancy in total stats wow. between Texas and Oklahoma state. And this is what we like to call an assing tray. Uh, two weeks in a row for Texas. They asked uh, Texas what? tech an assing. Okay. Yeah, and asking. They asked Texas Tech, and then they asked the other team that has the stupid-ass hand signal uh, a week and a day later. Just a beatdown. And this game was 14 to nothing before I got to my seat, Trey. Like, we'd done the live broadcast at Texas Live. I had to break down and bring all of the equipment to my car. And then uh, finally made it to my seat, and it was already 14 to nothing. I mean, Texas threw the first punch, too, and they really killed Oklahoma State's will early. Like, if there was any chance Oklahoma State had to make this game competitive for all four quarters, they were going to be the team that needed to get off to a hot start and play with the lead because they're not built to play from behind, right? Like, their run game is the strength of their team. Alan Bowman, we talked about how average he was this season, and calling him average might be being respectful, overly respectful. Uh, You know, you figured if Texas could get out to an early lead, they'd be able to control this game, and the Longhorns did. They, they, They played like the underdog. They coached like the underdog. And they threw that first punch, and uh, they just kept punching and punching and punching, and Oklahoma State couldn't get up off the mat. So, uh, yeah, just a beatdown. Like, it's exactly what the Longhorns needed to do. It's what everybody wanted to see. Uh, the most complete performance of the weekend, maybe for any team playing in a conference championship game. And to do that, like you said, against a team that has given you problems in recent years, that made it even sweeter. Quinn Ewers obviously setting records. Texas is a team setting conference championship game records. I mean, gosh, Quinn had over 350 yards in the first half alone. Could have very easily have gone for over 500 if they truly wanted to uh, hit the gas after halftime. But I feel like a little bit before halftime, it's not like they completely let up and lost sight of the task at hand. But 
Uh, you could feel them not wanting to just completely embarrass their opponents. And I'm fine with that too. They still won by enough, obviously, to where the selection committee was impressed and wanted to put them in as one of the four best teams in the country. And uh, just uh, what a way uh, for this team to complete, I guess, technically is the Big 12 championship game, the regular season, but to complete their regular season and really secure their postseason berth. Because you and I talked about this last week off the air, BK. It was going to be really underwhelming if this team, despite winning a Big 12 championship, ended up playing in the Cotton Bowl this year. The Cotton Bowl against a good Georgia team. So (laughs) would have had one of those matchups again where uh, Georgia clearly didn't want to be there. And I'm sure half the roster would opt out. And even if they didn't, Georgia fans had that built-in excuse. I am so happy that this team has a chance uh, to do something even more special this year with a matchup with Washington New Year's night in New Orleans. Yeah, it would have been Mizzou, apparently, in the Cotton Bowl. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because Florida State and Georgia are playing, what, Fiesta? Yeah, Orange. Orange Bowl. Okay, yeah, so it would have been Mizzou, so it would have been even worse. I want to yeah. play Mizzou in the Cotton Bowl. I want to play Washington for the chance to go to a national championship game. We would have had to watch Tom Herman highlights from the last time Texas played Mizzou if we got stuck going up against them again. Secure Drew Locke's nutsack, apparently. Is that what Herman was doing? Apparently. Yeah, I thought it was called something else. We got a big sack if it went over the shoulders like that. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I I found out before the game from a very, very trustworthy source that, yeah, Texas was going to be playing in the Cotton Bowl against Mizzou if they didn't get into the college football playoff. So, uh, yeah, really nice to not have to worry about that because nobody would have cared about that game. I wouldn't have gone to that game. Even though it was two and a half hours away, I wouldn't have wanted Texas Sports Unfiltered to do a pre- or post-game show from that game. Like, that's how much of a letdown that would have been. So obviously we talked about it last week. Like Trey, I thought the whole season would have been a failure if Texas lost on Saturday, like 11 wins. Okay. Win at Alabama. Okay. But you couldn't win the big 12 this year. And as a 15 point favorite against that team, like, sorry, everything you did before Saturday would have all been for naught if you couldn't get it done. And then I said, okay, if you win on Saturday, but you don't make the college football playoff, the season's not a failure. It's just like the most unfortunate thing ever. Because literally in every other year of the 14 playoff, your resume would have been more than enough to get you in. And, you know, we still had to worry until yesterday when the announcement came that uh, there was still a chance that Texas was going to get left out. So the fact that they won, they won handily, they they end their uh, tenure in the Big 12 with a conference championship, and they beat every member of the Hateful Eight in their final game. Now, they didn't play West Virginia this year, but Texas beat West Virginia last year. But the other seven teams that will remain in this Big 12 conference, Texas was able to beat en route to the conference championship this year. That makes it even more special. And we kind of, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this, Trey. Like, how were you feeling yesterday? Like, were you worried when the college football playoff selection show started, or, or were you confident that Texas was going to be in the top four? No, as a matter of fact, and this ended up not coming to fruition, but I felt so confident about Texas being in on Saturday night um, before the Florida State game was over with, I'm pretty sure, is when I tweeted this out. It was, don't worry, SEC fans. Texting, Texas getting in is still kind of like you made the playoff this year. So I tweeted that out after Florida State won that game. I thought Florida State would be in, and we can certainly get into that in just a sec. But I knew 
I had a strong feeling that they would not go against what they've said all along and and valuing that head-to-head matchup and putting Texas in over Alabama. It did feel like Georgia was out at that moment, and it was a matter of whether Alabama or Florida State gets that four seed. Yeah, it felt like for a while the committee didn't really value the Texas-Bama game. Like, obviously, they valued the head-to-head result because Texas was ranked ahead of Bama, but Texas was number seven, like, throughout all of the CFP rankings before this one. And then finally, it's like, obviously, other teams lost and Jordan Travis getting hurt and other stuff fell the way that it did. But it finally felt like, no, like, we actually view that as a really freaking impressive win, Texas. You guys are in. I will say this, though. Even as Alabama continued to turn their season around and play better, Texas always remained at least a spot ahead of them. So yep. they, I, I think they showed throughout the course, even though they love their hijinks, with the in-season college football playoff polls, it really don't matter all that much one way or the other. The reality is, is that they one times uh, they'll do wackadoo things. They stayed pretty consistent with that part of it. At least. They did that. They did. Yep. Texas was always ahead of Bama. And even in the playoff, both teams got in Texas, the three Alabama, the four. And yeah, I'll be honest. Like I was nervous as shit watching that Florida state Louisville game on Saturday night. Mm. And I was, you know, I was about to bomb the whole state of Kentucky. I'm not even kidding. And I I would have fessed up to it. I would have turned myself in and said, nope, this is me, Texas fan. Not only blowing up the University of Louisville, not just blowing up the city of Louisville, but blowing up the entire state of Kentucky because of that bullshit that went down in the ACC title game. I am convinced, Trey, I am convinced that the ACC paid Louisville off. They're like, you guys need to lose so we can get Florida State in the college football playoff because that makes our conference look good. So please don't try. Hey, Jack Plummer, please just get sacked a bunch of times and throw it to the other team as often as you can. Hey, Jeff Brom, yeah, we know you've done a good job coaching and you won 10 games in your first year in Louisville. Now, please, like, whatever could work, don't do it. I'm convinced there was some point shaving going on in that game. But that was so frustrating to watch, thinking that we maybe needed a Louisville win to get in. But then I looked at Vegas odds, Trey, and Vegas always knows, don't they? Yeah. And the live odds of whether or not Texas would make the playoff kept changing in favor of Texas. Yep. In favor of Texas, like Saturday night and then into Sunday morning to the point where like right before 11 o'clock Central got here when that broadcast started yesterday, uh, Texas was like minus a thousand to make the playoff. And it's like Vegas doesn't throw those lines out. They don't like just losing money on shit like that. There's no way Texas won't be good. So that was like the AP pool coming out, AP pool, AP pool coming out and Texas being three. And then the Vegas odds being what they were like that, that put me at ease before 11 o'clock yesterday, despite what happened in Charlotte on Saturday. I would have bet the mortgage that Texas made the playoff after Alabama beat Georgia. Okay. Like that's, that's how confident I felt in that moment to where I was watching the, Uh, Florida State game with a Seminoles alumnus who uh, we were at this neighborhood party on Saturday night. And it was, uh, I guess, fun to watch him go through the uh, the wave of emotions and have to deal with just how brutally boring that game was, to be blunt about it. That was a shitty football game to have to watch from beginning to end. Now, there was more excitement in the second half, but to see him experience the joy of them actually holding on to win with their third string quarterback. I texted him on Sunday after they made the announcement that uh, I I understand the rationale, but I also kind of feel like those guys got screwed too. But I think it speaks to what feels inevitable here in a few years, and that is there's only going to be two conferences that matter, BK. Mm. All four teams that got in this year, they have a certain luster about them. And yes, Vegas 
uh, has it as much closer game between Michigan and Alabama than Michigan and Florida State. But as, this is going to be one that sticks with Seminoles fans for a long time, is to go undefeated through the regular season to beat the second-best team in the ACC, because that's what Louisville is, the second-best team in the ACC by two scores with your third-string quarterback doing essentially nothing. You know you'll get your backup quarterback for whatever that bowl game is or a college football semifinal game, but ultimately the playoff selection committee said, nope, we're putting Alabama in here. We'll, uh, we'll posture whatever ways we need to posture to help explain all of this. We'll make sure the talking heads for ESPN are parroting a, a lot of these opinions and beliefs and uh we're just gonna let that be that and florida state's gonna be upset about it for a while maybe that'll ultimately help you land a spot in the uh, sec or big 10 going forward mm. well let's hear while we're talking about the cfp committee decision to put bama in and leave florida state out despite florida state not losing a game all season long and winning its conference championship on saturday here is uh, boo corgan the committee chair talking about why bama got in well, I, I think in looking at it and again that 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 was the decision was alabama at four florida state is a different team than they were through the first 11 weeks uh, coach norvell their players their fans you know uh, an incredible season but as you look at who they are as a team right now uh, without Jordan Travis, without the offensive dynamic that he brings to it, they are a different team. And, and the committee voted uh, Alabama four and Florida State five. Yeah, Trey, I wonder if it's SEC or if it's just Alabama. Like, I think if the roles were reversed, if Alabama was 13-0 and and they were on their third-string quarterback and also had kind of played like crap in their last two games and Florida State was the 12-1 and team, and they had looked great, and they had beaten number one in their conference championship, I still feel like Alabama would have gotten in, you know? Like, that That was – I was saying that with Texas a lot, and you're right. Look, ultimately, none of the other rankings mattered for Texas. The one that happened yesterday mattered. But I was like, man, if Texas has the same – if Alabama had the same resume as Texas, like if Alabama went on the road in week two and beat a really good Texas team by 10 – and they had one loss at a neutral field to their biggest rival in the last minute, they would not be ranked number seven. They'd be ranked in the top four. Like, I, I really believe, like, Florida State is is pretty close to a blue blood, and they might be a blue blood, but there are levels to being a blue blood. I think just Alabama being Alabama kind of pushed them over the edge, man. What say you? Yeah, I mean, that's a part of it. I think that the common denominator with all four teams is that all four are going to be in either the SEC or Big Ten next year. Mm -hmm. And ESPN, uh, they they control things completely with that expanded college football playoff. Every game will be viewed on uh, ESPN or one of their subsidiaries. Uh, so that shouldn't be discounted. And I think that it's a bit of a cop-out to say that uh, this Florida State football team isn't potentially good at running and throwing the football with Jordan Travis not in there. I mean, the guy accounted for, I'm looking at the stats right now, less than 200 yards rushing on the season, which is a number that quite honestly surprised me just a little bit. They still are, are good at running back without Jordan Travis. Like the mm. reason they scored their touchdowns because they went to Wildcat and uh, one of their up-and-coming running backs is really good and uh, breaking that big run down the field and ultimately getting into the end zone, too. Trey Benson, also a solid running back for them this year, falling just below 1,000 yards. And they obviously have great weapons on the outside with the wide receivers, too. But I think that also discounts just how good this Florida State defense has been. Like, I, I would mm -hmm. argue that the reason why they were in that position is because the defense has been more consistent than the offense throughout the course of the season. 
But ultimately, BK, selfishly, I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it because I would rather see Alabama and Michigan square off in the Rose Bowl. That's it, man. Versus a a prelude to uh, the game that you and I are going to be at that night. That's it. The committee got it wrong, but I'm glad they got it wrong. Like that's that's how I describe my thoughts on this. Like it is effed up that Florida State did not make it. it. It really is. But all of us outside of the state of Florida would rather watch Michigan play Alabama than Michigan play Brock Glenn or even Tate Rodemeyer, whoever was going to be the quarterback for Florida State. Like you said it, Michigan would have been a two-touchdown favorite against Florida State, and I don't think that would have been enough. Michigan opened up as a two-point favorite against Alabama, and the line's already gone down. Like That would have been just a stinker in the Rose Bowl if it was Florida State. Now we actually get a really, really good game, and it kind of feels like all four teams that are still alive have a legit shot to win the national championship. Florida State got in. Congrats, Michigan. You got to buy into the final. Uh, Now that Alabama's in, no, you've got to earn it. Any of these teams, whoever wins this thing on January 8th down in Houston, whoever's hoisting that vaginal-looking trophy uh, will have earned it because this playoff is damn good this year. What do you think of Texas being a slight favorite over Washington as the uh, books opened up yesterday? What was it, four, four and a half? Yeah, I think I saw both of those numbers at different books around Sin City. A little surprised. Yeah, me too. I don't like the matchup for Texas, man. Completely agreed. Like, Texas can beat Washington. Texas is, I think, more talented overall than Washington. And yes, Washington beat a very good team in the Pac-12 championship, but Washington, if you think Texas played some close games in the second half, go look at what Washington did. I mean, they, they didn't have that tech game that Texas did where it's like, nah, we'll, we're, we're still really good, and we know we need to put up some style points, so we'll blow somebody out. No, like Washington's last regular season game was a three-point win at the buzzer over a 5-7 and seven Washington State team, and that game was at home. So Washington was not playing great football, but obviously – they did what they needed to do uh, in the Pac-12 title game, beating Oregon for a second time. But yeah, the matchup does scare me a little bit. Like you're talking about the passing leader in college football and Michael Penix. You're talking about the best passing offense in college football in Washington. And you're talking about the only team in the nation who I think has a better receiving core than Texas with Washington. So uh, the good news is Washington's defense isn't great. The good news is Washington's run game been better as of late, but still hasn't been very good over the course of the year. So it's not like Washington is dominant everywhere but obviously this texas secondary which has been the weakness of this longhorn team this year is going to be tested going up against all of the weapons that u-dub has yeah i'm actually a big fan of dylan johnson the huskies running back he's been really good in the second half of the season for them and kind of been a saving grace too as Penix and some of his receivers have dealt with injury issues here and there but you nailed it that's uh, the biggest reason why this matchup concerns me bk is because these are good receivers, and Penix is extremely accurate, especially those intermediate and deep balls. And those are obviously uh, the spots on the field that have been a big issue for this Texas secondary at times. We saw a little bit of it against Oklahoma State, if I'm being honest. Now, we talk about Alan Bowman not being great for Oklahoma State as they struggled down the stretch. He wasn't terrible uh, this last Saturday, and uh, part of that was him him finding openings, making good throws at times, and sometimes you did see those coverage busts as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it'll be fun, man. I mean, I don't know how much stock you can really put into the Alamo Bowl because Texas had so many guys who didn't play, and Washington had a few opt-outs either. But I'm I mean, like a Georgia fan right now. 
Yeah, well, Bijan, Rojo. I'm kidding. Thank you. I'm, I'm fascinated to watch Georgia, Florida State, right? And does Florida State claim a national championship if they beat Georgia? They're going to pull that UCF bullshit. But wouldn't be the first team in that state to try and do so in the last decade. Yeah, hopefully they're uh, they're better than that. And they should be better than that because they've actually won real championships, unlike uh, UCF. Uh, but yeah, like I, I just don't know how much stock you can put into that game. Like just because of how many guys who are a part of it this year who weren't a part of it last year. And the stakes are so much higher. And I think it's kind of cool that like this whole year has been the revenge tour for Texas, right? Like just getting revenge over so many big 12 teams. And now they've got an opportunity to get, uh, get revenge over Washington in the Sugar Bowl. And then, boy, it would be really fitting if Texas wins and plays Alabama in the national title. I brought this up with Bucky earlier. It's like, what was the game that started this downfall for Texas? Well, the last time you played Alabama in the national championship, how fitting would it be if like the, the ultimate icing on the cake, cherry on top of this Texas turnaround and the Longhorns truly being back is beating Alabama and Nick Saban in the national championship. Let me tell you this right now. Let's go on the record here. So if we need to uh, tweet this one out as well, we certainly can when it's all said and done. There's two teams that concern me in this college football playoff. Neither team is named Alabama. If we face them again, we will beat them by at least two touchdowns, if not more. Wow. You think Texas will beat Alabama worse the second time around than what they did in Tuscaloosa? Texas, it was a fun game in Tuscaloosa. Double-digit win. I, you know, we. I won't. Uh, repeat myself with uh, the stats that we've all talked about all season long since it happened. It will be a fucking ass kicking if Texas plays Alabama again. Okay. I like that. So you want Bama then? Uh, well, yeah, I would, I would much rather play Bama than uh, have to sweat it out against Michigan. Plus I just want Michigan to lose at this point. God, I hate Jim, Jim Harbaugh. Like everything he does at this point just annoys me. Yeah. Even him running away from the Gatorade bath. I mean, my God, goodness, dude. Somebody's not trying to stab you in the shoulder blade. They're just going to dump Gatorade on you. What is your problem? Yeah. Is he, just, is he just higher on the spectrum than we realize? But uh, he's, you know, he's got that card counting ability to where it makes him a really good head football coach. Because this I don't know. stuff is, is just off the charts how bizarre he is. Yeah, he's a weird dude. There's no doubt about that. He is a weird dude. And I do wonder... You know, I don't think Michigan had time to scout Texas, right? I don't know if they thought Texas was going to play in the college football playoffs. So while they had Connor Stallions on staff, I'm not sure if they were filming any of our signals. So that could be an advantage for us. Did you see the um, the Michigan watch party yesterday after they made the Alabama announcement? No. Oh, Michigan. yeah, yeah, where everybody was, like, not exactly thrilled at that one. Yeah, here's uh, here's the video. This is the Michigan watch party during the CFP selection show. They had Michigan, Washington, and Texas already in. This is when they announced Alabama at four. You can hear a collective groan. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, and there's that one guy who, like, literally stood up and went surrender Cobra. I don't think that was a player. It's probably a coach's kid or a player's brother or something like that. But there was a clear, oh, man. They were hoping they got Florida State with backup quarterback, which would have been an easy 
easy win to make it to the championship game, and instead they got to go up against Nick Saban in Alabama. Hey, consider yourself lucky, Michigan fans, because they very well could have put this game in New Orleans, which would have given Alabama a built-in home field advantage. Maybe that's why they didn't, but it, it would have made a lot of sense to have Washington playing in the Rose Bowl just because that might give them a slight home field edge. Now, I would argue that Texas fans travel really well, and at uh, worst, it's going to be a 50-50 crowd, but it's going to be much heavier, uh, much more heavily skewed Longhorn fans, and it's going to be, I don't know, 60 to 70% Longhorn fans in New Orleans, I would have to guess. Yeah. Not well, Michigan... A little bit higher than that. Michigan gets to pick. The number one seed gets to pick. That's how it works. Oh, is that right? Okay, so I, I understand why... Why they went Rose Bowl and not, not New Orleans on New Year's night. Because that yeah, would have been be a disaster for them. It would have been either Texas, Bama, or Florida State, right? Like that would have been the opponent for Michigan. So all of them would have been closer to New Orleans than Michigan, obviously. And yeah, Michigan, Rose Bowl, Big Ten. I guess it makes sense. But you're right. Like there were a lot of Washington fans who were a little upset yesterday. You could make the case that Washington could have been ranked ahead of Michigan. I actually thought they should have been. Yeah, they've got a better resume. Now, Michigan, eye test-wise, Michigan dominated teams, but Washington, better strength of schedule, better strength of record, more wins over ranked teams. Like, there's a lot of on-paper stuff that could have given Washington the edge over Michigan. Yeah, and look, they struggled down the stretch, but they were also facing a lot of ranked foes down the stretch, and Michigan's schedule was dog shit outside of Ohio State and Penn State. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to give them a ton of credit for beating an Iowa team that – was completely inept on offense, as the uh, their final point total pointed out. By the way, uh, our friend Sammy P had him on the radio show late last week. The uh, Iowa point total for the first half, I don't know if you saw this, BK, was one and a half. Mm. And he said, hammer the under. And he was right about that. Yeah, I said it all week last week. Like People are like, BK, do you think Iowa has a chance to beat Michigan? And I said, they're not going to score. No. Unless they win zero to negative three, they're not going to win. It's going to have to be like two to nothing or something with their defense scoring the points. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't a joke. Like I think people thought we were joking, but I was being sincere. Like I, I did not think I, I was under their team total was six and a half for the game. Hammered the under. Sorry, my cousin hammered the under. Gambling still illegal in the state of Texas, kids. Remember that. Yes, it is. Uh, I, I forget the point that I was going to make. It's something about Michigan. Oh, uh, but Washington, yeah. look, they, they faced um, a bunch of top 25 opponents in the second half, and they beat Oregon twice, and that matters a lot too. Oregon had been playing as well as just about anybody in the country over the second half of the season. So for, so for them to beat them a second time like that is a big deal. And yeah, Washington probably did get a little bit screwed at. I don't know if I would rather play Washington or Michigan first. I guess Michigan just because they're not quite as dynamic a throwing football team. But uh, either either team is uh, going to be a tough out. So as a Longhorn fan, you have that task in front of you now. Honestly, Washington scares me more than either Michigan or Alabama. I would probably lean that way, too. There's, you know, there's things that Michigan is better at. Uh, defensively, they're a little bit better. Uh, better running the football, too. But how much are you worried about the opposition running the ball on you right now if you're a Texas fan? Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Good job, Ollie Gordon. How about the video of that guy running off the field after warmups, yelling F Texas a bunch of times? And then obviously the little temper tantrum he threw on the sideline during the game. Uh, and then Texas holds him to 34 rushing yards. Not a great day for Ollie Gordon, the second. Had a great season. I'm sure he's a great kid, but. 
Saturday, not a good look for him on the field or on the sideline either. No, it wasn't. Mm. All right, we'll give some love to some of our sponsors here. Then we'll get back into uh, Texas-Oklahoma State a little bit and just, oh, man, just uh, celebrate the fact that the Longhorns are Big 12 champs and in the college football playoff for the first time in school history. Uh, Covert BK, want to give them a shout-out. Of course, if you're in the market for a new or pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, you got to go see our friends out at Covert BK, three state-of-the-art dealerships, seven different brands, on 42 acres of beautiful Central Texas Hill Country, they've got a ridiculous selection of vehicles. There are a lot of dealerships you'll drive by. There's hardly any cars on the lot. They'll have like one car parked sideways, taking up three spots just to make it look like they've got a full lot. Yeah, no, you don't have to worry about that at Covert. Great selection. Fantastic service. Dan Covert, Mike, Stacy, Jerome, the whole team over there at Covert BK will give you a top-notch service every single time you go in there. And the price is Second to none. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. Go see our friends at Covert Bee Cave or, of course, check out Covert Ford and Lincoln, Covert Chevy. They've got covert dealerships all over Central Texas. They've been around since 1909. Shout out to Covert Bee Cave. And also shout out to our great friend, Tom McKay. From AV Consultations. Hi, this is Tom McKay, owner of Audiovisual Consultations, and all of us at Audiovisual would like to wish you and your family a happy holiday season. This time of year can get a little hectic, so we want to remind you to relax, enjoy the season with your family and friends, and give us a call for all your home entertainment needs. If you save the time you spend in traffic and big store crowds, you'd have more time with the people you actually enjoy. So smile, hug your kids, make love to your wife, and cheer the game with your friends. Call us at 255-8678. That's 512-255-8678 or online at AV Consultations. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Shout out to Tom. Appreciate their great partnership with us here. And also shout out to Altstadt Beer, the best beer that you can find all throughout the great state of Texas. Altstadt is already committed to partnering with us for our Sugar Bowl coverage. That's right. Texas Sports Unfiltered will be live in New Orleans. Still working on all of the details for where we'll be, but we know we will be in the Big Easy uh, for New Year's Eve and, of course, for January 1st. When the Longhorns take on Washington in the Sugar Bowl at 7.45 Central Time. Thanks to Altstat. Thanks to uh, all of our great travel partners who allowed us to be in Arlington this past weekend. And look forward to uh, bringing you all the best boots on the ground coverage that you can find for Texas and Washington in the college football playoff. Uh, Trey, more from this game. I mean, Quinn Ewers, like what a performance by him. And just the 180 this guy has taken. You think about what happened the last time Ewers played against Oklahoma State, 19 of 49, had 14 overthrows, which was the most by any quarterback in college football in three years, had three interceptions, including two in the fourth quarter. That kind of cost Texas the game. And it was maybe the lowest moment for Quinn Ewers in his football career. And then to do what he did on Saturday, like 350 yards at halftime, was 11 for 11 after the first quarter with three touchdowns. I mean, the guy was damn near perfect. Did have that random WTF interception. That was the only blemish on what otherwise was a perfect day for Quinn Ewers. What a performance by him helping to guide Texas to the Big 12 championship. And he very much earned that WWE-style belt as the, uh, the MVP of the game. Yeah, no doubt about that. It's weird because Pro Football Focus had him in the low 70s grade-wise, but I think part of that is just the great game that Steve Sarkeesian called offensively up to a certain point and how even when they did dial things back a little bit, there were still a lot of open throws 
to be made. And maybe that one interception does uh, ding him quite a bit as well because that linebacker wasn't going anywhere. I mean, he was standing in that spot the entire time. He went behind some offensive linemen for a second, but ultimately Quinn needs to not make that throw. But yeah, Quinn Ewers, I think we can all feel pretty confident by the time we get to that semifinal matchup on New Year's night that he's going to be 100% healthy. Maybe not quite there just yet. We saw a couple of underthrows that may be uh, a result of him still lacking a tiny bit on velocity. But uh, we've seen these this incremental progress for him from that first game back to the game in Ames, Texas Tech, and then now Oklahoma State. Like he is, he and his receivers are really clicking on all cylinders right now. It's great to see Xavier Worthy get his. Him getting time off is going to be good for that ankle injury. Really also connecting to his other two most important receivers in this game, A.D. Mitchell and Jatavian Sanders, both guys going over 100 yards. And we even saw a little bit out of Jordan Whittington, too. Yeah, 10 different horns caught a ball on Saturday. And you're right, Sark was in his bag, man, for all four quarters. Uh, a lot of short and intermediate throws. And we talked about this previewing this game. Oklahoma State was one of the worst defenses in the country in terms of giving up the deep ball, right? And it could have been easy for Sark to just be like, oh, well, we know they suck giving up the big play, so let's just take a bunch of shots down the field. Yeah, And no, they didn't. Texas took what the defense gave them. Of course, they did take a couple of shots down the field. A couple of them worked. Some of them didn't work, but a lot of it was just screens and crossers and short and intermediate throws, which are a quarterback's best friend. Those are much higher percentage throws. That's why Ewers' completion percentage was what it was. That's why he was able to get into such a rhythm early in that game on Saturday. Uh, Sark did a great job. The running backs were very involved in the passing game. Nine receptions amongst Jaden Blue, C.J. Baxter, and Keelan Robinson in the game, too. Like, those guys were a big part of the passing game. And it just felt like Sark schemed so many guys open. There were so many times on Saturday where Quinn just had an easy read, made the easy throw, and there was nobody in earshot to tackle the Texas pass catcher. Like, it was just it was crazy uh, how open some of these guys were. And uh, Sark deserves credit for that. The players deserve credit for that. Maybe Oklahoma State failing to adjust also led to that. But that was just clinical offense, man. 35 points for Texas. They had te uh, 10 meaningful drives in the game on Saturday. They scored touchdowns on seven of them. They missed a field goal on the eighth. So they damn near scored on eight of 10 drives in the game Saturday. Like that's that's about as good as you could do. You would take that type of performance against like Rice in the non-con. But to do that against a top 20 team, that's giving you fits in a conference championship game with a spot in the playoff on the line. Doesn't get any better than that one, dude. Yeah, agreed. And defensively, this Texas team, there wasn't any one individual effort that stood out. It was just a solid team effort across the board. And I think that is a great thing for a unit that has been the biggest reason to believe in this football team for most of the year. I think that's actually flipped over the last couple of weeks now. I have a little bit more faith in this team, accomplish even better things as a result of the offense. But it's uh, those two things coming together that uh, that is huge right now. And so I know uh, Byron Murphy had a good individual game defensively. I think the, uh, the linebackers were pretty solid too. Malik Muhammad, gosh, giving you a ton of confidence even if uh, Ryan Watts has to miss more time which I would assume he's going to be back for that Washington matchup and then the uh the safeties I thought they really stepped up their play too including the much maligned Keaton Crawford now I don't think that he's getting the proper due for a touchdown that was given up uh, it was a little bit of miscommunication but ultimately looked like it was on him he had a huge interception arguably the biggest defensive play of the game as Oklahoma State was trying to stay in the contest they had a little success on that drive 
and tried to throw a ball towards the end zone, a slight underthrow, and Keaton Crawford makes a great over-the-shoulder diving catch for the uh, one interception on the day for this team. Yeah, hell of a play by Keaton Crawford. And, yeah, that was a cool moment for him. He's been really good on special teams, but as you said, much maligned in coverage this year. Nice to see him step up and make a big play right there. I thought Anthony Hill was fantastic in this game on Saturday. He was actually Texas's leading tackler with six. But you're right, like not, not uh, a ton of amazing standout individual performances, but this team basically gave up 14 points. I know they gave up 21, but yeah. Oklahoma State's second scoring drive started inside the Texas 10-yard line after the Quinn Ewers interception. I think it started inside the five-yard line, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, obviously tough to, to hold somebody on a two- or three-yard scoring drive. But now the Texas defense as a whole did a really good job. They shut down Ollie Gordon, man. Like, that's the nation's leading rusher. And Texas held him to 34 yards. There's, there's no running back in the country that scares this Texas defense. No. I mean, seriously, Taj Brooks two weeks ago, that was the guy who led the nation and I think still does lead the nation in forced missed tackles. Texas kept him in check. And then, yeah, the nation's leading rusher in terms of yards, a guy who was second in the country in touchdowns going in, uh, was held to 34 yards. This Texas defensive line is all world, man. Like that's, we, I've talked about it for years, Trey. You and I have known each other. We've done shows together for a long time. And I, I will always say that football is won and lost in the trenches. And you cannot compete for championships unless you have the big uglies up front playing at an elite level. This Texas defensive line all year long has played at an elite level. We saw in week two what they did against Alabama, winning that battle up front, that this group was special. They've maintained that all year long. That's going to help with the move to the SEC. Obviously, it's helping right now being in the playoff and the offensive line too. Been a little more up and down, but it does feel like over the last three weeks, Trey, they have played their best football. They have picked up their game when they've needed to. And uh, yeah, you feel good about Texas in the trenches against just about anybody. And that's a huge part of why they are two wins away from a natty. Yeah, I think they're going to need to be a little bit better run blocking going forward. Uh, it was kind of a pedestrian day for most of the running backs. Keelan Robinson, kind of the exception though. But what I loved about the offensive line on Saturday, BK, is how many different examples you have of them running down the field and helping to finish plays off and springing the ball carrier for however many extra yards, too. I mean, these guys are all hustle right now. It's that Jordan Whittington mentality that exists across the board on offense and defensively and then also special teams now, too. Man, these guys are bought in, man. These guys are absolutely bought in and just happy that they got rewarded, especially the guys who were here for five and seven a couple of years ago. Man, just the, the total turnaround for this team and uh, awesome for Sark, awesome for the players, the coaches, for the fans, for everybody to to just be here right now with a chance to play and compete for a national championship. This It's pretty cool, man. I damn near sports cried yesterday after uh, the announcement came out. Just uh, oh, selfishly. Off, man, you're getting soft. You almost sports cried yesterday. Come on now. We yeah, got to toughen you up. We need to throw you in a... A uh, hundred eighty degree sauna for like thirty minutes or something. Okay, hold on. Of the two of us who went through a cryotherapy chamber, who actually stayed in there the whole time? I'll stay in there the whole time now. Damn it! <laughs> nah, see, I'm not. I'm not soft in real life. I'm sports soft. I'm a sports bitch. I'm well to admit it. I get too. <laughs> I get too emotional with sports, man. Like, Mark the tape. Mark yeah. the fucking tape. <laughs> I was just, I was, I was selfishly happy. Like, of course, I thought about the guys in that locker room. Those are the guys who put in the work. I just get to watch and and talk about it. I'm the lucky one here, but I just like, 
Shit, man, I was 15 years old the last time Texas won the Big 12. Couldn't drive a car. That's half my life ago. I'm about to turn 30 in March. Like half my life has gone by. And I just like couldn't help but think just like how how long it's been since we have been here. Uh, it's just, it's, it's cool, man. Like I just, I couldn't help, but, uh, but just almost get moved to tears. Just thinking about how much we've all been through as fans over the last decade and a half. Everyone's got their stories and anecdotes. I, I was talking to Jeff and Jordan and you at the start of the show, just saying that like everyone's got their, their stories over the last 12, 13 years. And it's, it's just awesome to, to be here. Job's not finished. They've got a great chance. So the best chance the Longhorns have had in a long time, and it might be the best chance they do have for a long time to win a championship because going to the SEC, 12-team playoff, the path's going to get tougher after this year. So you want to make the most of this opportunity, but shit, just to be here, pretty freaking cool, man. Enjoy it. Don't take it for granted because you never know when that next time is. We all feel great about the direction of this program right now and there's no reason not to believe that they're going to be able to accomplish some great things in that next era of Longhorn football but enjoy this moment right now enjoy it like you did 2005 enjoy it like you did for to a lesser degree in 2009 or early 2010 because of the unfortunate Colt McCoy injury but uh, unless you're a program like Alabama this uh this doesn't happen anywhere close to every year now uh, there's a chance of it happening more consistently going forward because we are expanding the playoff by eight teams after this year. But this is a lot of fun. It's a hell of a lot better than struggling for bowl eligibility or struggling to get to eight wins or you're celebrating because you get to a nine-win regular season. Those things have all been a reality for this Texas football program since the last time they were in the BCS playoff, which then, of course, was a two-team playoff back in 2009, early 2010. Yeah, definitely. All right, before we get to uh, where are we at in society today, quick shout out to my parents who are celebrating their 35th wedding anniversary today. Awesome. Congratulations, Shoshana and Papa K. That is a, an incredible benchmark. Yeah, hopefully they're not watching. Hopefully they're doing something better with their time celebrating oh, this. Uh, uh, horizontal Mambo, you're saying? Ah, boy, I really walked right into that one, didn't I? I wondered what the hell you were doing. Yeah, you know, whatever, guys. Go ahead. Enjoy it. Oof. Yeah. Not thinking about it. Now no, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Time for me to make the joke that I make every year, and it's not really a joke. It's the truth. It's, it's impressive that my parents have been together for 35 years because I can't talk to the same woman for 35 minutes without getting bored as shit. So uh, congrats to you guys. Love you guys. Happy anniversary. I guess I should probably call them too. Huh? I, I probably need to do that as well. This doesn't qualify as my phone call today. I guess, yeah. It's it's a nice courtesy to congratulate your parents and wish them a happy anniversary on their anniversary. Yeah. Congratulating them on having me as a son too. That's a big, big milestone for them. Big deal. I'm a child of divorce. Maybe I need to call each of my parents every year on the uh, the when the divorce was finalized and congratulate them on not continuing a life together. <laughs> for all of us. Uh, yeah, congratulations on breaking up, guys. Best decision y'all have ever made. I realized that my younger brothers were crushed in that moment, but hey, they were little 9 and 11-year-old bitches. They didn't know more at the time. I saw exactly what was going on, and I was happy about it, even as I continued to eat my feelings and get fatter as a child. <laughs> were you, uh, you remember the exact date it happened? 
I don't remember the exact, well, I remember the day that we were told that they were separating and eventually getting divorced because my mom pulled us out. I've told this on on the airwaves before. I don't know if I've talked about it with you, though, so I apologize if you're hearing a repeat story. But my mom pulled my brothers and me out of school. I was in junior high, at Dan F. Long Junior High. It was seventh grade, I want to say. And so my brothers were in fifth and third grade. And she pulled us out of school and said, hey, I'm going to take you all to Brahms for uh, just an afternoon snack. Ooh. Like, awesome. Brahms. Are you familiar with Brahms, BK? I don't even know if they're still around. I ate Brahms yesterday on my drive back from Dallas. Oh, got nice. Okay, so you know exactly what Brahms is. Brahms, burgers, yeah. fries, shakes. So we get the, uh, the the afternoon shake while missing the last hour of school. We think it's all gravy. And then my mom drops the I'm getting divorced from your dad news on us. My brothers immediately start crying. Fat kid me is like fucking sweet this day just got even better i got a sh- i got to skip the last hour of school i got a milkshake which never happens afternoons of school days and you guys are breaking up too sign me up baby mm. and uh brothers keep crying please so i can steal your fries while you're not looking yes just make sure to cry those tears onto the french fries they need a little bit more salt <laughs> oh man what a kid you weren't what a kid you weren't i was uh i was an asshole early on yeah, it uh, carried over. Thank, thankfully, for nobody. Uh, all right, Trey, you want to go live read today for our friends at Pest Wranglers? Yeah, let's go live today with our friends at Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers. We love the support that Pest Wranglers uh, provides us. Sounds like they may be on board for the trip to New Orleans as well. That is a thrill, and uh, I love our guy Steve, aka Cooter. Because he is someone who values relationships. Actually have a game in the hopper with Steve and uh, Kevin Dunn coming up at a Texas Stars game. Excited for that one. Pest Wranglers has been doing it right here in Central Texas all the way back to 2006 now. Steve, who values relationships, make sure to treat his employees the right way. That way you get that trickle-down effect where they make sure to treat the customer the same exact way. It's why they have so many five-star ratings and reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. And while they know you will be satisfied with that customer service, it's why they don't require you to sign a contract if they, uh, if you have them out to your home or place of business to take care of those pest problems. They believe in their service. They believe in their customer service. And I know you will be believers as well after you have them out to your place. Go to pestwranglers.com to find out info, uh, more info, excuse me, and to also get that contact information. And as we always tell you, Pest Wranglers is a proud sponsor of. Where are we at in society today? And it is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will provide you a story that gives a sense of optimism. As it's all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. And I'm not totally sure what today is, BK, other than uh, another shining example of me being a badass dad. Badass dad, not bad dad. My kids, BK, heroically this weekend killed a small creature at my encouraging. And I guess it's now time for me to share those details with you. Wow. So we were in Houston late Friday into early Saturday. Had a uh, family obligation that kept me from making it to Dallas this weekend. It's all good. Family over conference championships. Well, until next year, then the SEC championship matters way fucking more. (laughs) But uh, so we went to Houston. And even though it was a quick trip, it was an important trip. 
because it's the first time my brother and I have seen my dad in a while. And it was also an opportunity for my kids to play with their cousins, one of my brother's kids, and actually both of my brother's kids. Uh, they're a, a close-knit group. And uh, one of the things that they love to do when we visit Houston is one of my brothers has a uh, trampoline. And even though trampolines in 2023 are much safer than the trampoline of my childhood, which was a uh, rot with pitfalls and all sorts of fun ways to injure yourself. These trampolines now have nettings on the outside that keep you from flying off the trampoline. And there aren't uh, nearly as many holes where the springs are for you to accidentally rack yourself or something <laughs> worse. Yes, there is something worse from what I've been told from uh, urban legends over the years. Well, the problem, though, with this netting is that even though it's safer for the kids, BK, it's not necessarily safer for insects that are flying around. And my kids were jumping on the trampoline with their cousins just a little bit before we were supposed to leave. And all of a sudden, I see them gathering around one spot of the netting. And so I go out there and they're like, come over here, come over here. This dragonfly is stuck in the netting. Well, I go over and look, and this dragonfly had tried to fly from inside the trampoline area, like basically beyond the trampoline, and had gotten itself stuck in this tiny little mesh netting of this trampoline mm -hmm. to where its head was poking through the netting, but its wings and body were still on the other side of the netting, on the trampoline side of the netting. And I'm like, oh, that's so sad, guys. I'm like, we can save this uh, dragonfly right now, though. I'm like, who wants to help me save this dragonfly? They were all freaked out because the dragonfly is still trying to flap its wings to escape. And uh, it's just a, a freaky deaky deal. I, I completely understand that. Flying insects, it seems like they're going to sting you or bite you or kill you. Uh, there are adults who are afraid of flying insects, much less kids who don't know any better. So I said, look, this dragonfly is not going to kill you. It is not going to sting you. It's not going to hurt at all. All you're doing is helping to save this thing's life. And I said, Vivian, because Vivian is freaked out, my daughter, over any insect. I mean, it could be a moth, and she is running the other direction. I said, look, it is important to tackle your fears. And I would, you're, you do what you want to, but I would be so proud of you if you tackle this fear right now and you save this creature in the process. Well, she was too freaked out to do so. But Calvin, uh, who is my brave little guy, he, uh, he stepped up to the plate. And as a matter of fact, his cousin, Anne, who is Vivian's age, so they're both nine, said, I'll pay you 50 bucks if you save that dragonfly. She told you that or she told your son that? He told my son that. She Or she, she threw it out there for any of the cousins that wanted to do that. <laughs> hey, don't write checks. She can't cash, Anne. That's, that's mom and dad's money going to Calvin if, if he saves it. She had saved up from her birthday a couple months ago. She's free to do what she wants with that birthday money. So Calvin steps up to the plate and you know, the dragonfly has a little tail coming off of the wings. And I said, look, just grab the tail and pull, pull it just like pull it really quickly. It's going to wiggle in your fingers. It's okay. It's not going to bite you. I promise. It's not going to sting you. So he reaches his fingers up there at first. And the first time he touches it, the wings start flapping like crazy. He freaks out, runs the other direction on the trampoline. All the kids are screaming. And I'm like, look, that's what happened. You just touched the thing. It didn't sting you. It's not going to sting you. You are about to save this thing, and you're going to make 50 bucks in the process. I'm like, just get, get a good hold of the tail and just yank it. And yank its head out of the netting and let it go, and it's going to fly off. Well, you can probably imagine what's about to happen here. Calvin 
does a very brave thing and gets a good hold of that dragonfly's tail and pulls really quickly. And he pulled a little bit too quickly, BK. I should have told him there was a fine line between pulling fast and pulling too fast. Lesson for you kids who are uh, older than the age of seven as well. And unfortunately, he pulled the tail completely off of the dragonfly. It was not a headless dragonfly because it was still connected at the wings as well. But this dragonfly, uh, unfortunately, uh, met its demise. I ultimately had to use a stick to hammer the head out of the netting to get the wings out of there as well. It was like a chicken with its head cut off, except the opposite because the dragonfly was still flapping its wings and still kind of alive, even though the body had been completely pulled off. My son, when he pulled the tail off, screamed like he was in a haunted house, dropped the tail on the trampoline, and all the kids were freaking out. Some of them were crying. Ultimately, I had to convince Vivian to uh, to get the tail off the trampoline because there was a little bit of dragonfly blood. Oh. But she did. And I calmed everybody down. And <laughs> Calvin afterwards, like even though I basically led to him killing this small creature, unintentional, by the way, yeah. but he killed this small creature. He turned to his cousin who had promised 50 bucks and said, can I get that 50 bucks now? And she looked at me. Like I was going to stop it. And I said, hey, you're the one that promised 50 bucks to somebody who tries to save this creature. Oh, I thought he so, had to so save it for we 50. All hoped it would. He still did what you mm-hmm. said you would pay the 50 bucks for. And so she had to hand the 50 over. I may hear about that from my brother <laughs> and my sister-in-law at some point in the near future. But that is my story of convincing my son and as a byproduct, my daughter of bravely killing a small creature. Wow, next time I see your son, I'm going to call him Ray Lewis because he's a murderer. Amazing. Mm, he is uh, He is a dragonfly murderer. Really, Roland? For $4.99, can Trey please show some damn enthusiasm? I have been listening to you and BK for years, and I have yet to hear you show any enthusiasm. Thank you for the donation, Roland. Thank we you, appreciate- Roland. Uh, we appreciate okay, your enthusiasm. enthusiasm right now. If Texas plays Alabama in the national championship game, I realize this is getting the cart in front of the horse. We still have to get past a tough Washington team that uh, poses maybe the biggest challenge of any of the four teams that are left. They are going to kick the ever-loving shit out of the Crimson Tide, okay? There's my enthusiasm for you for uh, a lifetime. I like it. I like it. I like it. And now we bring on Chip and Zay. It's Monday, but we don't have a Steve Sarkeesian availability. So Chip and Zay. That's right. We had that yesterday when Texas got into the college football playoff for the first time. Yes, sir. Were you the only person there, Chip? I heard you ask like 18 questions. (laughs) No one showed up. I'm old. I don't give a bleep anymore. I just keep firing off the questions. I mean, just trying to get the information for the people's. Hey, they were great. I was just like, I feel like usually Bianco is like one question per person. And I just kept hearing your voice over and over again. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, everybody else is too hungover, I guess, to uh, to show up today. But Chip, Chip is there. Yeah, I was asking Sark if he shed any tears, if he got any interesting text messages. You know, I was trying to go deep. Mm-hmm. Always. Trying to go deep. Any good text messages for Sark? Well, he said he was going to call Nick Saban and tell him, hey, everybody's happy. Everybody wins. Hmm. 
I mean, remember, that's the guy. That's the godfather for Steve Sarkeesian, the man who slapped some heart paddles on uh, Sark's coaching career. Yeah. As all the WWE partnerships we saw over the weekend, if I'm yeah. Sark. Y'all tell me, because I'm not a huge WWE guy, but huh. did that make the trophy presentation more cool? I thought the like, belt was awesome. Like the, it was weird that they had the logos on the field. Right? <laughs> like, that, that felt a little over the top. Uh, but the belt, like normally they give like a small ass trophy to the MVP of a, of a bowl game or a conference championship game. I thought the belt was way cooler. And the fact that a Longhorn fan, the undertaker gave Quinn Ewers that belt, like that was, that was pretty badass. So I didn't, I didn't care too much for all the other stuff, but, I was uh, I was fine with that little twist that your mark put on there. And well, what a nice ovation he got from Texas. Fans. Yeah, that trophy presentation turned into a WWE event. <laughs> yeah, like every time Brett Yormark tried to take a breath. Are they doing the WWE thing for a younger audience? Because if so, you probably need to find somebody who's still active in wrestling. Like I thought, the Undertaker was cool too, but I'm a an old guy. And I know that the undertaker is a big Texas fan also. So it was cool for that regard as well. You, you need to get, I don't know, John Cena, maybe be, be even be dated at this well, point. You find somebody else to, uh, to show up along with one of the legends. Like if Ric Flair shows up next year, that's going to be really cool. Find somebody younger to, uh, to take part as well, to appeal to that younger audience. Well, they did. I don't know their names, but they were there. Oh, they were. Okay. Well, yeah. they did have got all the run then, I guess. There, there was a busty shorty that I kept looking at. Yeah. 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 She was, she yeah. was, right. she was definitely she young. Did. Yeah. Yeah. They had some, some younger talent there. I don't know who they were, but Sark's got to call Mike Norvell, FaceTime him. When Norvell answers the phone, just do this. Can't see me. Play, <laughs> play off only. Sorry about that, Mike. Hey, I'm just glad this committee's. Finally showed some balls. Yeah. I mean, they were looking soft as hell going into this last week. So they kind of made their, you know, they they were acting like Oregon was going to beat Washington. They kept, you know, putting Oregon ahead of Texas and Alabama. <laughs> yeah, Michael Penix Jr., Roma Dunze. Like, as Texas fans were watching that game, and then it hit them yesterday – Oh, we got to defend that. Yeah. We got to we got to defend Roma Dunze who has 1400 yards receiving. Jalen Polk has 1000 yards receiving. I mean, they don't care if you make them one dimensional. Like Texas is great against the run. Washington's like, "Yeah, that's okay." Yo, go back and watch when the Horns celebrate when they find out that they're in. Go back and watch and look at the front row. And look at Terrence Brooks' reaction. I got a picture of it. I'll send it to our group text. Yeah. But it scares the shit out of me. I'm trying to be positive. Like, oh, man, Terrence Brooks is locked in. He knows he got Roma Dunze, maybe the best wide receiver core in national, you know, in the league, whatever. But there's also a look of just, oh, shit, that I feel from Terrence Brooks. And, again, I hope it's positive, but go back and watch. When the mm -hmm. horns get put in, go look at Terrence Brooks sitting front row. He looks like Vince Staples. Go watch, go check him out. <laughs> the dude, well, they, 
Yeah. They got a month to find themselves as a secondary because that was not pretty against Oklahoma State. Like, my man Jade Barron's even playing <sighs> some rough yeah, football. I, I right got it for y'all on bootleg. This is my man Terrence Brooks. <laughs> yeah, he's this is my he's man Terrence deep. Brooks. Look at his face. Everybody's going crazy. He's in, in deep the background. Everybody's going crazy in the background. Look yeah. at Terrence Brooks. Like it looks like oh shit! This why did they, why did they let Vince Staples in the? In the <laughs> he looks exactly like Vince Staples. Dude, I just pulled up a picture around. of him. That's incredible. Yeah, good call. <laughs> looks like a University of Texas Last Supper painting right there. Great catch there, Zay. <laughs> yeah, I, that scares me, man. That scares me because oh. that might be the biggest matchup that we gotta look forward to with this Washington team. Yeah, and they got to appeal the Derrick Williams targeting ejection. Oh, yeah. Which well, was a terrible call. Like uh, apparently that doesn't affect postseason status. So he'll be suspended for the first half of the first game in 2024. Okay, cuz so that that's a little the bit UT of a official told me yes though. Okay. Mm. Cuz a UT official yesterday told me he was suspended and that they'd have to appeal. So maybe now, they got to get uh, there. Didn't the Clemson player have to miss the first part of a playoff game? I forget if that was a, the championship game versus a semifinal, though. But I, I read, and actually Jake said this in the uh, YouTube comment section as well, that it doesn't affect him for the semifinal game. Okay. Mm. All right. I'm going to call that source back. John Bianco, um, and see what uh, <laughs> see what's going on. <laughs> oh shoot, John, right. John would know better than than fucking Twitter and sorry, Jake, than Jake, uh, Jake on the YouTube comments section. So, well, Valerie asked the right question. Like they had to look at that thing six times before decides. Like, come on, man, targeting is obvious. That was like. That was a terrible call, but there's a subjectivity that comes into play that isn't applied enough. Like, did his did the crown of his helmet hit the other player's helmet first? Yes. Was he launching himself like Chuck Cecil at the ball carrier? Absolutely not. It was almost like a headbutt, like a light yeah. little headbutt. But. but yeah, I mean, you know, tiny bit of a headbutt. But that was a that's a BS call there. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like, uh, the Texas or the Big Twelve refs sticking it to Texas one final time. Even yeah, if it didn't happen, he's doing the outcome of that beatdown. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. fellas. We'll let y'all get to it. Excited right, to listen. Hey. Show, fellas. Appreciate y'all. DK, who said that Washington was going to win on Friday and that I was talking myself into Alabama beating Georgia? Because Jalen Milrow is a dog. Yep. Yeah, That's you. Talking. I think it's Texas. I mean, listen, I think the winner of Texas Washington wins the national championship. But I think Alabama, Jalen Milrow, man, don't count him out mm. against Michigan. It'll be fun. Both games should be a yeah. hell of a lot of fun. Excited for him. All right, guys. We'll be listening. Right, fellas. Great, great, great show. show. Appreciate y'all.